Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we're going to take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the story itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. It is episode one of this brand new podcast, and I am... So unbelievably excited uh, to bring this to you now. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I'm so extra delighted to be in the beautiful surroundings of the Head Stuff Podcast Network Studios. Um, I have been recording in my bedroom at home. And I can tell you that equipment and acoustics and everything, and it just makes it makes this podcast feel real at last. And it is real, and I'm delighted about it. So I won't beat around the bush too much. I want to dive straight in. I'll talk a bit more about the origins of this podcast and stuff after I read the story. Basically, how this podcast is going to work is um, alternating between weeks. Week one, I'm going to take a story from Irish folklore. Week two, I'm going to take a story from Irish mythology. And we're going to alternate back and forth like that. So the first story that we're launching into, it is a story from folklore, but it is a bit of a cheat, if I'm honest. It's a bit of a palate cleanser, so to speak. Uh, It is a story from folklore, but it is a story about a character from myth. So it is a story about Fionn McCool, but it is not a story from the Fenian cycle of myths, uh, which feature Fionn, or certainly I haven't found it in it. It's a story about giants, it's officially known as the legend of Knockmany, but I think if any of you out there will have heard it, um, I know I heard it when I was very young, but I never, never remember the full details of it. But I thought it seemed like a good starting point because it seemed to be one that people somewhat would know. Um, but you'll know it, if you know it at all, as the story of the giant's causeway. Um, so without further ado, let's get right down to it. The Legend of Knockmany by Ireland. It is said that when the gods and goddesses of ancient Ireland lost their power and began to fade in public imagination, they became smaller and smaller until they became fairies. It is also said that the mortal heroes grew and grew until they turned into giants. So it stands to reason that the greatest heroes would become the biggest and the strongest of the giants. Cucullin, unfortunately, died long before his mortal body could grow to such a size. But one who certainly did was the great leader of the Fianna, Fionn McCool. 
When Fionn had completed many lives worth of heroic deeds, he decided to retire, and he settled in Tyrone in the north of Ireland, on Knockmany Hill. This is where he decided to live in peace and anonymity with his beloved wife, Una. It was when Fionn settled into this life on Knockmany Hill that he began to grow and grow until he was the size of the hill he had settled on. He loved his wife Una for her cunning and her intelligence, and she loved him for his heart and courage. And so, even though he grew so much in size, they still loved each other. Now, most dealings between the two great Celtic nations of Ireland and Scotland have always been peaceful, and to this day we are often united through music and a healthy disregard for England. But this is a story of a rivalry between the Irish and the Scots. It is only really when you're looking at a map do you realise just how close the north part of Antrim is to the northwest of Scotland. And a giant like Fionn was easily spotted on clear days from the Scottish coast. Most significantly, by a Scottish giant named Benan Donner. Benan Donner was the Scottish god of combat, and he was confrontational, aggressive, and jealous. When he looked across at Ireland and saw the shape of Fionn grow and grow, he became threatened that soon there would be a giant even greater than he. So Benan Donner began to hurl abuse across the sea to Fionn. Here, pal, you crap, you rubbish. You're not a very good giant at all. But Fionn was retired from fighting, and so attempted to practice patience by ignoring the shouts of the Scottish giant. So Ben and Donner began to throw rocks at Fionn. This was harder for Fionn to ignore. Fionn went to Una for advice. Here, this lad isn't going to stop until I fight back. You don't need to do that. Just give him a sign that it's not a good idea to fight you. So Fionn went and scooped the biggest rock he could find out of the earth and hurled it at Ben and Donner. Unfortunately, the rock fell short and landed in the sea. And today, that very rock is what we know as the Isle of Man. Ben and Donner thought that this was gas. Ah, ha, 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 Nice shot, crap shot. This was too much for Fionn. Come over here and say that. But then Fionn decided that it would be an even bigger humiliation to Ben and Donner if he was defeated on his home soil. But Fionn was far too large to swim, so he began to build a bridge across the sea. A causeway, if you will, for giants. A giant's causeway. It was a causeway both by and built for a giant. It took Fionn an entire day to finish building the path, and by the time he arrived in Scotland, Ben and Donner was nowhere to be seen. Ben and Donner had fallen asleep. But so loud were the giant's snores that Fionn was able to follow their sound until he came across a sleeping mountain. It was Ben and Donner, and he was bigger, stronger, and scarier looking than Fionn could have ever imagined. Perspective can be a funny thing. So Fionn silently turned on his heels and legged it back to his wife. Una! Una! What is it, Fionn? I, uh, I did a bad thing. Oh, good lord, what did you do now? I, uh, I challenged the Scottish giant to a fight, uh, but now I can see that he's actually way bigger than me, and I don't think I can beat him. Please help. I always considered you a humble man, Fionn, but that salmon of knowledge has finally gone to your head. Your ego is at last larger than your physical size. 
I deserve that, but come on, you're real smart. What'll we do? We need a plan quick, because once that other giant wakes up and sees that I've built him a bridge right to me, he won't be long taking it. All right, let me think. Una used that lovely brain of hers and turned to Fionn and said, We are going to need a big old cradle. Soon the earth began to shake, and there weren't many earthquakes in Ireland even back then. Una looked out her window and saw the silhouette of Ben and Donner come closer and closer until he landed on Irish soil. Once Ben and Donner landed, he was outraged that Fionn wasn't there to meet him. Fionn, where are you? But there was no sign of him. This confused Ben and Donner. He wasn't the brightest, and he didn't see how a giant could possibly hide. He then approached a local farmer. Excuse me, sir. Do you know where uh, Fionn lives? I'm afraid you're going to have to be a bit more, give a bit more information than that, Sonny. There's a lot of Fionns around here. Uh, he's the one that's a giant. Ah, he lives over there on Knockmany Hill, that one there. The farmer pointed at the house on the hill, and Ben and Donner was off. He leapt up the hill with one bound, and then he began to bang on Fionn and Una's door. Fionn McCool, come out, pal. You can't run from me now. Una opened the front door and marvelled at the size of the brute standing before her. Hello. Can I help you? I am Ben and Donner, the god of combat, and I have come to fight Fionn McCool. In single combat. In single combat, no less, muttered Una under her breath. Fionn, come out and face me, cried Ben and Donner. Could you please stop shouting? You'll wake my baby. Fionn isn't here. Then I shall wait right here until he returns. Well, will you at least wait inside for him? You can warm yourself by the fire and, I tell you what, I'll even give you a piece of cake. Cake sounds good, said Ben and Donner, much calmer now. It will sustain me for the upcoming fight. Yes, of course it will. Fiona Nuna's house was, as you'd expect a home, dwelled in by a giant and a human, with giant furniture and regular furniture. Ben and Donner sat down in Fionn's giant armchair and began to look around him. Una hurried to the kitchen, where she was finishing the preparation of two griddle cakes. One was baked to perfection, the other had been baked with large stones inside. Una brought the two cakes back into the sitting room and served the one with the stones to Ben and Donner. And the giant took one bite and cracked all of the teeth in his head. Good God, he cried out. What kind of cake do you call that? And Una looked at him and said, Why, that's Fionn's favourite cake. That's exactly how he likes it. In fact, baby Fionn likes it that way too. Baby Fionn, asked Ben and Donner. Why, yes, said Una. He's asleep in the bedroom right now. Una led Ben and Donner into the bedroom, where Ben and Donner was astonished to see a gigantic cradle the size of a bungalow, and nestled inside, wrapped in swaddling, was a baby, nearly the same size as he was. His face fell to the floor. If that's the size of the baby, how big is the daddy? And actually, how did you possibly bear such a monstrous child? Una thought for a beast and said, He was a fast grower. She then approached the cradle. Here, baby, have some cake. And she gave the stoneless cake to the thing in the swaddling. 
Baby Fionn devoured the cake noisily and happily. Ben and Donner could not believe the sight of what he saw. What kind of teeth can a baby so young have? Ben and Donner stuck his index finger into the baby's mouth. Fionn bit down as hard as he could, and with a howl, Ben and Donner pulled his hand back without the finger. Una laughed. Serves you right, sticking your finger in a baby's mouth. This was all just a bit too much for Ben and Donner, and he ran from the room, out of the house, down Knockmany Hill, and straight across the sea, tearing the giant's causeway apart behind him so that Fionn could never follow him. And all that remains of the giant's causeway is its beginnings in Antrim, which still bear its name, and its end in Scotland, which is now known as Fingal's Cave. Back at the house, Fionn climbed out of the cradle and kissed Una. He felt deeply satisfied that if he could wound Ben and Donner as he had, he could easily defeat him if the time came. But that time would never come because of the brilliant cunning of Una. The End How about that? So that was our first story, The Legend of Knockmany, or The Story of the Giant's Causeway. I suppose I should give you a bit of background to this podcast, first and foremost. So I've always been really, really fascinated by folklore and mythology. Of course, Disney films, first and foremost, the early Disney films like Snow White and Cinderella, the ones that I suppose nowadays and kind of for the last 50 years have been the majority of the Western world, certainly introduction to these stories. So an enduring interest in Disney as I've grown up has led me back to the source material many times, most particularly the grim fairy tales, because once I discovered the grim fairy tales and discovered how beastly and gruesome they were, I became fascinated by by folklore. And in terms of mythology, it was always the Greeks. I became into Greek mythology very at a very young age. As I got older, I started being interested a bit more in Roman mythology. And then when I was in when I was in secondary school, um, I didn't go to a school that offered classics, classical studies as a subject. But I was so bad at maths and at Irish, unfortunately as well, that I needed an extra subject. So I found a teacher. I'm from Wicklow and I found a teacher in Greystones who taught classical studies. I used to go to her on a Saturday and just, it was very intense. Uh, every every Saturday for a two-hour session of just myself and this this elderly woman uh, hunched over one desk uh, reading from the same book of the Odyssey or the Aeneid. Uh, it was very intense. It was particularly unpleasant when uh, if I would fall asleep in the middle of reading it which did happen. And that wasn't down to not having the interest. That was just uh, being young and not being able to handle the intensity of the surroundings. And so to bring it all back then to Ireland. So I spread out all this information and then I was like, why don't I know more about the Irish myths? And so that was my quest to go out and research and find out a lot more about the myths, our myths and our folklore. Because we know... I mean, most Irish people will know names like Cucullin, Finn McCool, they'll know about the Salmon of Knowledge, and a few other names might come up, but when do we learn about it? We learn about them when we're quite young, sometimes, in primary school. It's not a part of any curriculum, though, so it seems to be total luck, or else 
it seems like almost a bit like Irish, like the Irish language. Uh, when we come, unless you come from a family where it's where it's part of your family to learn about it, uh, when do you learn about it? And considering Ireland, we're a nation of storytellers, and that's that's if I had to kind of say my biggest fascination with the mythology, it's that it's that we have this reputation as storytellers. We have this tradition of oral storytelling, and today we're still regarded as people who are able to tell yarns. And you wonder, like, how, how is that? What, like, what is hereditary about that? What, is, what can be passed down in terms of this love for telling stories? And, of course, there are a few reasons. First and foremost, the pub, the pub culture in Ireland. We have crafted a huge culture around a place where we sit and inebriate ourselves and tell stories. Obviously, the, the alcohol comes into it a huge amount as well. But, like, it would be very naive to admit the fact that we have a place where we all come and sit together and tell stories to each other, which is amazing. And that's why I love pubs. No doubt I do love, I love having a drink as well, but I love pubs as a thing. For example, in Dublin, um, there's an amazing bar called the Palace Bar. It's one of the most famous in in Dublin. It's, uh, it's where the first Bloomsday was celebrated by Patrick Kavanagh, Flan O'Brien, I always forget the name of the third lad, but he's the lad who used to own the Bailey Bar on Duke Street. And they celebrated the first Bloomsday in 1954, I think. Bloomsday being the day that Ulysses is set on. But the Palace Bar doesn't do music and it very rarely ever has a television on because it considers itself a conversation pub. And I love that so much. If you have a minute, go. It's very wonderful. It is a proper, like traditional old school pub in terms of their uh, clientele I mean you do, do get tourists in at the odd time but like it's very much like old geezers and old ones and I know sometimes you can be made feel a little bit unwelcome by the by the locals but uh, for the most part no it's a wonderful wonderful pub to go to and so in terms of Irish folklore like why don't we have more of it why don't we know more of it well for starters there is less of it r- remaining we got four we got four cycles got the mythological cycle, the Ulster cycle, the Fenian cycle, and the historical cycle. Um, And they overlap somewhat as well with each other. But those are like the four main bits, you know, like texts would be a wrong word to use because they're not individual. But the reason that we so little has survived, well, two things really. Big one, though, is Christianity. Christianity is a weird one in this regard because we kind of have them to thank as much as to blame because the Christians, the early Christian texts, this is the earliest accounts we have of the myths. It's where they were written down for the very first time, the ones that are survived. Of course, naturally, they Christianized everything. That's the shame, that's the real shame about it. But like, as much to blame is is the oral tradition. It's because these were oral stories and they had different versions from every storyteller who told them. That has made it really hard to have a consistent narrative throughout Irish mythology in the same way that there is in Greek myth. There are different versions, but there's there's a real consistent chronology that just goes all the way down. Norse myth has, has suffered a bit more like Irish. Um, there's less of it. It's more focused. Um, certainly if you read Neil Gaiman's, uh, it's very much about like four or five characters. Like just most of the stories are Thor, Loki and Odin and a few others, Freya, and just a few other pop-up ones. But it's really about like these these four or five main gods. 
But Irish mythology is a lot more sprawling and a lot less consistent, which makes it now open to way more interpretation, which is why it's really, really cool. And so in 1935, I think it was, the Irish Folklore Commission was established. And by 1967, they had one and a half million pages of stories in their in their deposits. God knows how much... Uh, how many pages they have now but they've loads of tape recordings of like directly from Shanna Keys. so there's so much I found another great like a treasury a treasury of Irish fairy and folktales which is amazing that's my favourite book that I own now it's this big green tribal hardback that's beautiful and most recently I got a, a book by Sean O'Sullivan who was the head of the Irish Folklore Commission he wrote a book of like a hundred folktales. There are a total different hundred folktales that are all from the gatherings of the commission. So I'm kind of making my way through that. So there's such a wealth of stories that no one seems to know about. They'll know a bit about the myths, but not details. And I'm very much speaking as myself as well. The number one reason I wanted to start this podcast was because I wanted to listen to it. This is this is something I wanted to hear. I wanted a podcast based on storytelling. And I couldn't really find that. There is, there is a, a, the Irish Folklore Commission does do a podcast, but it's very infrequent. It's not often they do it. I think it's only like once a month or once every two months. And it is, it's academic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it being academic, but I wanted one from an entertainment point of view. That's the, that's the perspective I'm coming at it from. I am, I'm myself, I'm an actor, a writer and a musician. So my interest in these stories is entirely as that, as stories if a book in, on Greek myths and Norse myths and German folktales, if they're able to get onto the Irish book charts, then why the hell isn't there one on, on Irish myths and Irish folktales? But rather, why I didn't want to write a book, write my own version of these, um, and why I think a podcast medium is so perfect for this, is because it is an aural medium like I can actually tell the stories through this I can get people on they can tell stories and people can listen to them which is how they're meant to be uh, taken in imbibed if that's the correct use of that word it may not be that might be a standard feature of this uh, podcast is my attempt to use good words and not use them properly so I apologize for that but you get like I I'm I love I love audiobooks and I love podcasts and I want this to be a combination of the two. The stories will be prepared to some extent. They will be written down in some draft form. But I wanted to keep it loose because they're meant to be told as if you know them. Like uh, one of the Grimm, when the Grimm brothers were collecting their German folktales, they went to different storytellers to research the stories. One of their ones, I think her name was Dorothea Wickman. But they said the greatest thing about her was that she could if they were dictating a story from her, she would say it the exact same way twice in a row, like word for word. This amazing ability these storytellers used to have. And so the idea of keeping it oral and, uh, and let, yeah, breathing life into, I don't want to update them. I think my approach to them will very much be from a place of humour. Um, that Because I think, especially with the Irish folktales, there is a great amount of our humour in them. Um, but it is less than updating them it's more to breathe life back into them to spread these stories out to myself as much as to anyone else because a lot of these I'm learning as I'm going I am far from an expert I hope to become more knowledgeable on these 
this will very much be a journey between me and you, the listener. And I hope that we can shape this podcast together and that you can tell me what you like and what you don't like about us um, and that we can make it the best version of this podcast that it can be. So before before we wrap up, I'll have the storytelling section where the story itself and then I'll have the discussions about the story itself and about a theme. My biggest worry was that I, today was that I wouldn't have enough to talk about because I wanted the latter half of the podcast to be free, especially because I was scripting some about it. I'm definitely going to prepare. I will prepare for these. But that's what I like about the podcast medium is is it, it the engaged tone, is that I'm speaking to you as myself and not not reading from a script here. I have a I have a cheat sheet in front of me of bullet points, but for the most part, this is just me talking to you, and I think that's that's hugely important as well, as much as having a prepared story as well. Um, and that's how I hope it will be a, a lovely combination of audiobook and podcast. But before we go, before we wrap up, let's talk about the story itself that I just told, The Legend of Nachmani. So I found this in a book, in my folktale book, it was hidden because I didn't know that I knew this one. I just happened to read it and I realised, oh wait, I know this is the story of the Giant's Causeway. I don't remember where, but like it must have been in primary school something when like in geography even learning about the Giant's Causeway. And it was collected by a guy named William Carlton, who is a bit of a devil by all accounts. William Carlton was a, was a 19th century folklorist, gathered a lot of the stories in the book, but uh, he gained a bit of a <laughs> bad reputation for himself because he was well, he was very anti-Catholic, which I have no problem with in in today's sense. But back then, that that was a big problem for an Irish man in a very Catholic country. But he was went on record in the prologue to one of his folklore books where he said that the Irish people engaged with nothing but gang violence and sectarian violence and alcoholism. He said, like, it's my job to research all these stories and I'm telling you, this is what the Irish are nothing but. So he can kind of feck off. And his version of this story isn't good. And I'll kind of tell you why. You can find loads of individual versions of it online at varying degrees with loads of different elements. I took a lot of different elements from different ones. So talk about the characters in Fionn. Fionn's a giant in this. Fionn's a giant. And for ages, I couldn't figure out why. Fionn McCool, like in any of the Fenian saga, like he's normal sized. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's a giant. Because this doesn't seem to be part of the Fenian cycle. This is a separate piece of folklore that was attached to the myth of Fionn. Like it would have lot to explain things. Because like the giant's causeway, it's caused by uh, a volcanic eruption and it's basalt comet. So like uh, a volcano would have erupted and just whatever way it hardened as it cooled, it formed into these hexagonal, uh, sorry, cannot say that word, these these columns. And they're still mad to look at today. They're so perfectly formed that like if you were discovering them thousands of years ago, of course you would you would put this magical connotation to it. But the most amazing thing about it, and the one that I didn't know, is that there's another very similar basalt com- column off the coast of Scotland, on a small island off the coast of Scotland, and it's called Fingal's Cave, and Fingal is uh, Scots Gaelic for Fionn, which is amazing. So, like, there literally is a beginning and ending to this bridge, which is so, so cool. Sometimes the story is about Cú is the other giant, which is madness. 
and it's not a popular version because they don't like pitting the two greatest heroes from Irish mythology against each other, which is fair enough. I don't know what Cuchulain was doing over in Scotland anyway. Um, and especially from a, a kind of social point of view, having Fionn, who's considered like a southern hero, and Cuchulain, who's considered a north hero, to have them facing against each other was not helpful for anyone and not nice. So I like why that's Ben and Donner, the Scottish God of Combat. My favourite thing about this story, though, is is that uh, Una, Fionn's wife, is the hero of it. It's entirely down to her cunning and her bravery. Uh, some versions omit her entirely, which is horrendous. And I'm definitely like, I'm holding up, she is the hero of this. And that will be a big thing about this. my looking at these folktales and these mythologies is is keeping an eye, like, because there's so many strong, amazing women in Irish folklore and Irish mythology, and they're going to be they're going to be held up as much as they should uh, for this podcast. Even though, like, we don't know anything about Una, the love of Fionn's life was Sive. She was turned into a deer. He found her, and then she was turned into a deer again. <laughs> um, and he didn't find her again, but she, he found a baby fawn in the woods that was a son by by her for him and that was Ushin who ends up is being the one who tells the majority of the Fenian cycle and he turns him into a human but no idea where Una Una seems to exist just for the sake of this retirement uh, when Fionn suddenly is a giant after he's retired because like by according to the mythology Fionn isn't dead he still sleeps in a cave surrounded by the other Fenians kind of like puppies sleeping on their on their mammy which I think is also hilarious but unfortunately I have to wrap it up now because I'm going to get booted out of here. But I really hope you enjoyed the first episode. Next week, we're going to have a look at... We're going to start to have a look at the mythology. We're going to have a look at the landing of Antua de Danon, the first gods of Ireland. And we're going to have a good time talking about them. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can contact me on Twitter at Olahan Solo. Uh, that's O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O or on Instagram at Olahan Solo as well. You can follow the Fireside page online. I'd like to have a huge, huge thank you to the Headstuff Podcast Network. I am so excited to be doing it uh, with these guys. They produce amazing stuff, and I'm a big fan of, of their other podcasts. And I really hope that, that you share my love for this subject matter and that we can build a great podcast together. This episode is dedicated to three people. It is dedicated to Stephen Colfer of Dream Gun, for recommending, I, apl- I apply to Headstuff uh, first and foremost and for showing me how to get a podcast from idea to on the page. Uh, if you don't, haven't listened to the Dream Gun film reads, go and do that immediately. They are incredible. They're absolutely hilarious. It's dedicated to my best friend, Rory O'Connor. He was the one who very much inspired me to do this podcast. And most of all, it is dedicated to my very dedicated girlfriend, Anna, who has supported me all the way in the development of this podcast. So thanks very much, guys. I can't wait to do this again. I'll talk to you all next week. Have a great one. Take it easy. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.